Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Uh, welcome everyone, great to be with you, I've got those online and those in person. Uh, quick update before I jump into the message, is that okay? Quick update on uh, the Pallidan family, it's, uh, I'll keep it tight, <laughs> it'll take the whole message, there's so much going on. My daughter got married and so that's the big news, January was a big year, um, she is my princess, uh, married a, a, a godly Christian man, they were high school sweethearts, um, they weren't allowed to date until they were 18. Um, that was the Christian school rule, which I fully endorsed, and that's why I sent them there. And then once they hit 18, uh, they dated. They actually had a sweet 16, never been kissed, and then they grew up in church, you know, kids' church, youth, um, you know, ministering. Just, just, it's a beautiful story of, of God putting a, a young couple together and the fingerprints of the local church in their life with great life groups and great support. So I, uh, I, I love them to death. The only problem is I miss her. Uh, it's very hard for me. She's a daddy's daughter and we're very tight, very close. I didn't know what to do on that first week of the honeymoon. Do I text her? Do I call her? Do I, you know, what do you do? It's so awkward, you know. And, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And, and what do I do? And I just was floored for the whole week. I didn't contact her once and did, didn't, which is amazing. But I thought, oh, is this going to be how it is the rest of my life? Anyway, uh, the following week, I called her every day. She called me every day. So it's all back to normal. So we're all good. Poor old Josh, my son-in-law, is going to put up with me and the tightness of our family. My son, Jaden, went back to the States. He's playing college football and he had to uh, come here for the wedding, go back. It's been crazy. And uh, that left us with um, three at home, three boys um, that were leading, the, the, leading them to follow Christ. That's our first priority. Church is second. Pastoring is second. My number one priority is to see my children in heaven, to see them pursue and call the, the call that's on their life. So thank you for your uh, grace. Uh, thank you for your understanding. Uh, thank you for uh, working with, with me and, and my commitments to my family. We started this year uh, prayer and fasting. I wanted to position us as a church to see God move like never before. I feel this is a time when we need to get in shape because we'd got out of shape, right? We, we, we got out of shape in our spiritual disciplines. And so this whole month of January has been getting shape, getting shape, getting shape uh, with, with the spiritual disciplines, fasting, praying, reading God's word, giving financially, serving others. And so the prayer team have been part of this. And I want to share one word from the prayer team, and then I'll jump into the message. Um, the, the one word from the prayer team that, that sort of resonated in me wasn't the word shape, but it was the word sharp. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is alive and active. It is what it is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrows. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So for me, this whole month is almost, let's get us in shape. Let's get our eyes on Christ. Let's get those good disciplines back of, 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 of you know, good habits, consistency, um, you know, let's get sort of fit spiritually. But then I believe there's a shift taking and it's, it's through the anointing there's this sharpness, that there's a power, the, 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 the anointing, the Holy Spirit. 
uh, and I'm praying that over our church, a sharpness to me is God's moving to do work in our lives. God's moving to bring breakthrough and transformation. God is moving um, like never before because we need him. So that's my prayer as we keep moving forward, that, that God, his word is sharper than any two-edged sword. All right, let's jump into God's word. If you have your Bibles, 25 minutes on the clock, let's go. Daniel 4, chapter 4, in a world that rejects everything we believe. How on earth do we walk closely to God without selling out our faith or alienating those who we want to reach? How do we do it? Daniel is our great example. Daniel stood strong. He never sold out. So the book of Daniel is a prophetic book. It's actually written for you and me today. There are themes and concepts into the book of Daniel that help us and equip us to live our life today. And the the, the story of Babylon is really a story of the world. There is a spirit. There is an enemy. His name is Satan. He's real. He's alive. And, And Babylon kind of encaptures that. Well, the world today is the Babylon. There's a spirit of it. But we need to understand we are men and women of God, chosen by God to live for Him. And if you don't know Christ, you can be a follower of God today. That's why Jesus came, to make it available to all mankind. And so you can hear the good news today. You can be saved. And we have been set apart, set aside um, through the power of Jesus Christ to be like Daniel, to stand tall, to stand firm, to stand up for righteousness. Now, today's story is without doubt the greatest rise and fall of a human being ever. There is no Netflix series that would show the extremities of what happened in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. It's, it's, look, the Bible is an amazing book. You've got to read it. It's fascinating to me. And I, I pray you would dive in deeper in your life groups or during the week. So King Nebuchadnezzar, King of Babylon, bad guy, right? He has a dream. Daniel interprets the dream. Verse 20. The tree you saw grew large and strong with the top touching the sky, visible in the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals and having nesting places in its branches for the birds. You, your majesty, this is Nebuchadnezzar, you are that tree. You've become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky And your dominion extends to the distant parts of the world. King Nebuchadnezzar had risen to the most powerful person in the known world. He defeated Israel. Uh, Many believe he built the Tower of Babel and the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Now, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, we have some photos. These are one of the seven wonders of the ancient worlds. And actually, when you think about what King Nebuchadnezzar achieved by building these gardens with the resources he had really puts Vegas and Dubai into kindergarten. This is significant when you think about the resources. They were 400 feet long, 700 feet high. They were um, massive with, with flowers and plants. The Roman and Greek historians describe them as terraces suspended in the air with trees and plants just hanging. Um, Incredible what he had accomplished. There was nothing that he sort of hadn't done. Verse 23. Your majesty, 
you saw one, a messenger come down from heaven and saying, cut down that tree and destroy it. But leave the stump bound with iron and bronze and in the grass of the field while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with drew from heaven. Let him live with the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. This is the interpretation, your majesty. Daniel now interprets the dream. You're ready. And this is the decree from the Most High has issued against my Lord, the King. You will be driven from the people and will live with wild animals. You'll eat grass like an ox, be drenched with the dew from heaven. All this happened, verse 28, to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as he was walking on the roof of his royal palace, he said, Is not the great Babylon I have built as royal residence? You mean you get a new car, you drive your new car, and you smell a new car, and you think you're, you know, you're, 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 you're large and in charge, and you drive down Church Street and Parrow with the music blaring, and you think you're big time. That's what was happening here. He's walking along, I'm somebody. Uh, is this... Uh, the great Babylon I have built and the royal residence with my mighty power for the glory of my majesty. Verse 23, immediately, immediately. <laughs> what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from the people, ate grass like an ox. His body was drenched with drew until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle. Some dreadlock going on right there. Feathers of an eagle. No dove conditioner in that, in that hair. And, and his nails like the claws of a bird. Claws of a bird. You're not going to get the $25 discount nails for, with claws of a bird like that. Uh, what a story. What a fall. Uh, from the highest to the lowest. What extremity. Can anybody say pride comes before a... Today we're going to talk about this thing called pride. Because this is a story not about Nebuchadnezzar. This is a story about you and I. And this is a story that we need to be aware of so that we can position ourselves for God to do what he wants to do. The issue of pride appears again and again in the prophetic books of the Bible as a warning so we can make a U-turn in our hearts if we shift towards it. The book of Daniel places such a warning front and center in the entire story. Daniel wrote this book to show the faithfulness of God, but he also wrote this book as a warning for you and for me not to fall into the traps of Babylon, which is the world, not to fall into the traps of the world's greatest sin. The greatest sin in Babylon is Pride, And so we as Christians need to be aware of this. We need to understand it so that we can just weigh our hearts, measure where we're at, so we can be spiritually fit, get in shape. Then we can be spiritually sharp to be used by God for his kingdom and his glory. Pride, it, it, it can come in various forms. It can be a religious pride. That we can be proud in our, in our abilities or our, even in our pursuit of God. Pride is sneaky. Pride can, can, can get in there. As soon as you don't think you've got it, that's, that's when you probably need to think to yourself, I, I, I've got it. I was putting this story together, uh, the story, this message together. Story sounds like I made it up. It's actually a message based on God's word. And so I'm like, you know, I'm probably doing okay. The reason is I've been beaten down by two years of COVID, so I'm probably okay. But you can actually have pride in, in, in your um, you know, false humility. 
you know, you can actually have pride, you know, in yourself. And I think it got exposed when two weeks ago, my 12-year-old, I get all my kids working young, working young. 12 years old, they are working. So the first job they can do is deliveries for, you know, junk mail. And uh, he was with his, you got two days, Tuesday, Wednesday, to make the delivery. He was gone. Sleepover, not available. Like, who's going to do the delivery? He's going to lose his job. And this is part of his training. I need to... So I help him a little bit and fold and drop him off. So I had to do the delivery. Oh, here we go. Bit of a pain. But yeah, I'll do the... for his sake, I'll do it, right? I'm a good dad. So I'm doing the delivery. And it was like in the afternoon, the sun was going down, people all along the street. And, and I'm thinking, what are they thinking about me as I'm doing the delivery? 50-year-old man gone through a midlife crisis. He's broke, has a gambling addiction, and, and he's run off with a secretary, and he's doing deliveries to make money. I'm thinking these things because I'm full of pride, right? I'm like, God, I'm sorry, you know, humble me. I need to do a few more deliveries. And so the issue of pride or arrogance and self-reliance has never loomed larger than it does today. Here's why. Babylon is running rampant. And I'll give you a couple of reasons. The need for God is being replaced by reliance on the intellect, on, on our intellect and our personal opinions, where everyone is wise in their own eyes. <laughs> Are we seeing that today? Everyone has a theory. Everyone thinks they know. Everyone's wise in their own eyes. Number one, there's a reliance on intellect. Number two, there's a devotion to the internet, where we completely disregard God's ways and His morals because we find that on the internet, our kids are being fed and taught the world's ways faster than any other generation because they have more access to it. And finally, there is a pursuit of personal happiness where people live for themselves, anything goes. Here's what James says, James 4, 6. God opposes the proud, but, but what does he do? He shows favour. Come on, church. He shows favour to the humble. I want us as a church to receive God's favour. My, my purpose today is we would position ourselves with humility to say, God, we want your favour. We want you like never before. Would you move in our families, our lives? We need you. Would you move in our church? We want to position ourselves for this year. And I believe this is a timely message for all of us just to put whatever's coming around us aside and to open our hearts up humbly to allow God's favour. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not you're worthless and you're no good and you're a loser. And that's, that's not humility. Humility is thinking of yourself less. <laughs> See the subtle difference? It's not thinking you're worthless. You're a child of God. You're amazing. But it's not thinking about yourself all the time, 24-7. It's about you actually think about God and others. Um, we want to position ourselves to say God move in our lives and have his favor. It's funny that pride can creep in. Uh, to our lives so subtly. You know, we, we, we can be prideful in our marriages or prideful as parents or prideful as children or prideful as followers. So this is something that we really need to understand. I, I personally, I hate spiritual pride. I hate clickiness. I, I hate people think they're better than someone else. Uh, I want us to be a church. Everyone is loved. Everyone's welcome just as you are. We're not pointing fingers. We're not pulling people down. We're not accusing or judging. We are loving. We are seeing the gold in people. We are seeing the calling of God in people. We are backing each other. We're supporting each other. We're lifting each other up. We're saying words of positivity, saying words of faith, saying words of love, of kindness, of gentleness. We, we want to position ourselves because humility is really the secret weapon. 
Humility is what gives us victory and success. Humility helps us flourish in our relationships. It helps us flourish with our families. It helps us flourish at workplace. It helps us flourish in our churches. Two thoughts today to sort of measure where we are in the time that I have left. Here's the first thought. Here's the first uh, warning signs or red flag. When we think what we have is ours, that's the beginning of a problem. When we think what he has is ours. So Nebuchadnezzar was at home in his palace. He was content and prosperous. Daniel 4, 4. You want to put that up, Billy? I was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. See, Nebuchadnezzar thought what he had was his. He had it all. Uh, Yet it really was never his, as was described in the story today when God took it from him. Uh, One of the most spectacular cities in the ancient world, and he thought he built it. Daniel 1.1, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, remember in the beginning, week one, came to Jerusalem to besiege it. And it was actually the Lord who delivered Israel to Nebuchadnezzar. It wasn't his might or his strength. It was God that allowed him to overcome. God allows things to happen. It's not our ability. It's God's choosing. Uh, Daniel 2.37, your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given. Again, we see in scripture, Nebi is all powerful because God gave him dominion and power over might. He didn't earn it. It wasn't his intellect or his military might. It was God. It was God. If we want to overcome pride in our lives, we must turn from self-reliance to God-dependent. So my word uh, for this year, I got this, actually last year in, in December, I got this word. My word is dependence. I, I, I need God more than ever before. I, I need God to help me lead our churches. I need you sitting in the audience, watching on the screen. This is your church. I need you to help me lead this church. I, 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 I got to position myself humbly to say, God, I need you. Here's a definition of dependence. It's the state of relying or being controlled by someone or something else. I want to rely and be controlled on Jesus Christ like never before. It's not easy leading a church through a pandemic. It's not easy leading a church out of a pandemic. I have to position ourselves where we're dependent on God to move like never before. But here's what dependence does, and I've discovered and handing out these flyers uh, on Tuesday night night also does uh, with my son. It keeps me humble. Uh, It it puts my ego and pride aside. Um, So how do we express this dependence on God? It's very simple. It starts with prayer. It's got to start with prayer. It's got to start with prayer. When, When Solomon finished the temple, the Lord said, if my people who are called by my name will what? Will humble, will humble themselves. Some of you don't need the uh, scripture on the screen, you know it already, but we'll put it up. Second Chronicles seven fourteen, Billy. Uh, when my people who are called by name, my name will humble themselves and pray. As a church, we really worked hard in January to build that 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 um, that, that, that engine room of prayer. 
and we do it every Tuesday online. Everyone can come, 12.30. Every Tuesday it's online. You can get our emails, send out the link. Every Tuesday in the morning, uh, 6 a.m., we're here. We pray. I was here last week, Tuesday morning. We're praying. Um, it was great to see the, the faithful prayers stomping the, the, the concrete out through those doors and, uh, and storming hell and, and, and believing for God to move and heaven to come. And, and uh, it was a beautiful prayer meeting. I thank the prayers for allowing me to be with you last Tuesday morning. We're going to do that every Tuesday. We're also going to start praying at nights and we're going to have some prayer times regularly. We want to build the spirit of prayer in the Hills Church this year because it keeps us humble and we need God. Uh, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins and heal their land. We need God to heal their land. I don't know what has happened over these last two years. I, they'll probably write books for years to come about the impact, but all I know is we need our land to be healed. Uh, the Christians, I believe, we need our spiritual land to be healed. We, 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 we need strength and empowerment. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this Place We want to build a house of prayer and we're committed to do that, not just in our fasting, but for the, the rest of the year. See, prayer indicates a willingness to surrender. Um, that, that, that's why it's so important that, that we pray. So what we have is an ours. We keep our hearts dependent on God. We realize that we didn't build what we have, that God gave it for us, which leads us to the second question of how do we know if pride is creeping in? Number one, what we have is an ours. But our second question is how do we get or give credit? Do we take credit for what we have, our lives, or do we give glory to God? When we go through our life and we just have what we have, are we, whatever that may be, even in difficult times, do we still give honor and credit daily to our God? See, Nebi was a legend in his own mind. He was so puffed up, so full of himself, that he built a golden image 90 feet tall. <laughs> Talk about ego issue. And we find in Daniel 4 verse 30, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I've built as a royal residence, my mighty power for the glory of my majesty? Even as the words were on his lips, a voice from heaven came. This is what is the decree for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. And we found out what happened earlier. He was driven and he was put out for seven years eating grass like an oxen. But it says this in verse 32. It's an interesting part of the scripture. Seven times will pass, that means seven years, for you. And then two words follow. Until. Will pass by for you until. Until. So God was actually saying there's sort of a condition here that there is um, th th there's this kind of acknowledgement that, that he's, God is wanting. It's sort of like a warning um, until you what? Acknowledge that the Most High God is sovereign over all the kingdoms and gives them to anyone he wishes. We have to acknowledge. We have to acknowledge and give God the credit for everything we have. We have to be believers 
who are very willing and readily available to give credit to our God quickly and to give Him glory and honour constantly. We must acknowledge and give glory to our God. If you land a contract at work, we give God the glory. If you've got kids that are healthy, we give God the glory. If we have a church that we can gather and worship, we give God the glory. If, if, if we're married, if, if we have a partner, you know, we give God the glory. And maybe you say, Miles, I, I, there's, I'm going through a fair bit right now and, and I'm doing it tough. I get it. I get it. I, I, I get some of us in this room are facing things. I, I just, I can't comprehend and explain the pain. But even in that, there is still a lot of glory and credit that we can give. That Jesus Christ died and rose again. That we are saved. That, that we still have breath in our lungs. That we have the hope of glory, of heaven and eternity. That, that, that we have a future. It's a good future. That, that we, we have children we can love and pour into. That, that even though we don't look at what we don't have, giving credit allows us to realize what we do have and give God honor for it. We, we give God you know, honor for our possessions, for our relationships, for our careers, our kids, our money, whatever we have. We, we, we give God credit we live in Australia. We, we give God credit we live in, in the hills. We, we, we give God credit for every breath, every meal that we have. We, we give God credit. Why is that important? Because it keeps us humble. You see, that's what David did. Nebuchadnezzar, that's what Daniel did. Nebuchadnezzar didn't, but Daniel did. He gave credit to God in every circumstance. Daniel 2 verse 30, Daniel says, The mysteries have been revealed to me, not because I've greater wisdom than anyone else alive. Listen, this guy is so humble. I love this about Daniel. He's so humble. And maybe why he prayed three times a day, uh, morning, noon, and night. Uh, he's so humble. Um, I don't have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation. Daniel always give credit to his God. D D Daniel was always deflecting praise back to God. He wasn't doing it for the, the coin. He wasn't doing it for the accolades or, 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 or the status. And I want that to be the driving motivation for us as a church. We don't do stuff at church for us, we do it for God. To see people saved, see their lives changed. To see... God move like never before. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. What are you so puffed up about? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, why act as though you're so great, as though you have accomplished something on your own? We, we give God all the credit and all the glory. I tell my son, Jaden, when you make the NFL and the big bucks, always give glory to God. You don't have to mention dad. As long as you bring the money home, just, just give, give God the glory and the honour in, in all the interviews. I want to thank my God, Jesus Christ. Make sure you say Jesus Christ. Just not God. That could mean any God. I give him all these you know, instructions. That's, <laughs> poor guy. He, give glory to God in everything we do. Father, we give you glory. We just stop right now and we put this into practice. I, I just want everyone here in this room, let's give glory to God. Father, we give you glory. Just tell him what you give glory for. Thank Him. Thank Him right now. Thank Him. Come on. Thank Him. Thank Him for your job. Uh, thank Him for your health. Uh, thank Him for your friendships. Um, thank Him for your families. God, we thank You. We give You credit. We give You glory. We thank You for everything we have, even though we go through tough times. We thank You. We're not alone, that You're with us.
I finish with this. In my two minutes that I have left. God actually restored Nebuchadnezzar because he repented of his pride. See, this isn't about beating up Nebuchadnezzar or, or hey, you need to go to hell, Nebi, you're evil, you're, you're horrid, you're terrible. No, no, this is about God restoring. This is about the restoration power of, of Jesus Christ. This is about no matter where we are, we can turn around and say, God, I'm sorry. I, I humble myself. I need you. I come on my knees. I fall at your feet of grace. I'm sorry for judging. I'm, I'm sorry for being uh, harsh. You know, I'm, I'm sorry for putting people down. I'm sorry for speaking bad. It's one decision away. I love this. Because in Daniel 4, 27, Daniel's advice uh, to Nebuchadnezzar um, was to repent of, of your sins. So here's, here's what he said. Repent of your sins and do what's right. And then after seven years, Nebi comes to his senses. Took him a while. Hope it doesn't take us seven years. <laughs> I'm like, I'm on my knees today. I don't want to eat grass like an ox for seven years. I, 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 I repent today. And after this time had passed in verse 34, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. He looked up as a sign of humility. He looked up as a sign of God's the source. He looked up as a sign of humility. My sanity was restored. Check this out. This is this evil king. He's praising and worshipping the Most High God. This is an evangelistic message. This is like the prodigal son coming home. I praised and worshipped the Most High and honoured the one who lives forever. I don't know where your children are at, your loved ones. Maybe they're not following Christ. This gives me great hope. And this is the story of the Bible, that God wants to redirect your family members to Christ. If you know someone that isn't following Christ, they've walked away, they're doing their own thing. Maybe they've been eating grass. <laughs> you can see it, right? You're eating grass. You need to turn back to God. This is such a comfort for my spirit, for my soul and for us as a church that when Nebi turned back, my sanity was returned. I praised and worshipped the Most High, honoured the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting and his king is eternal. Father, I pray for every prodigal son, every prodigal daughter. I pray for those in our lives that may have drifted from you. They may have a hard heart and they are eating grass, which, which not physically eating grass, but they're, they're doing it tough. We pray today as a church, they would turn their hearts to you pray God that you would go out and pursue them, that you would, would move on their lives that, that you would draw them back to you, Father they would repent, they would turn to you as their God that you would restore them, that you would bless them I pray for us as a church that we would have a posture of humility in everything we do that people as they walk in this place they wouldn't be impressed with the lights or the facility or the preaching. They'd be impressed with the love of Christ through the presence of Jesus Christ and the presence of His people. We want to be humble. We want to give you praise and give you credit and glory for all you've done. Even though there have been tough times, we don't quit on you, God. We don't abandon you. We don't walk away from you. We position ourselves in humility. And out of that comes this roar, comes this faith, 
comes this confidence that God, you're with us, that God, you'll never leave us, that God, you haven't finished building your church, that Father, our best days are ahead, that the favour of the Lord is upon us, that we can proclaim deliverance, we can proclaim freedom, we can proclaim the the restoration of people back to the presence of the God. We, we, We can see your blessings on our lives, on our children, on our family. We we pray that as we position ourselves as a church to be in shape, but also to be sharp in the ways of God that you would do what only you can. I pray that over our church in Jesus' name. And maybe you're here today and you're convicted. Maybe online you're listening and you're like, I I feel like I'm eating some grass right now. (laughs) Maybe you need to turn back and repent and to say, Jesus Christ, be my Lord and my Saviour. That's the gospel, by the way. Jesus came, lived a perfect life. He died and rose again so our sins could be forgiven. But we have to acknowledge Jesus as Lord. We have to humble ourselves. We have to repent of our sins and come to God, not by our works, but because of what He's done. With eyes closed, in this room and online, heads bowed, if that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, I want to repent today. I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Saviour. I want to turn back to Him. Would you just raise your hands wherever you are, say yes to Jesus. Just lift it up online, lift it up. You want to be saved. Raise your hand up high. Let me recognize that decision. You want to come back to Him. I see those hands down the front. Thank you very much. Others of you. We can clap. We can cheer. Heaven's cheering. Others, just raise your hand. You want Jesus to be your Lord. You want to come back. Maybe you were with God and you sort of left Him. And today's your day to return. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I want to follow you. I submit. I humble myself. Have your way. I want to be dependent on you. Just raise your hand. All those online, just lift your hand up. Tell someone in the chat. Father, I thank you. You love us. You pursue us. You never quit on us. You're always there for us. Oh, we don't deserve it. How great are you, God? Let's all pray this prayer out loud. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I give you glory. I give you honour. And I give you praise. I choose to follow you, humble myself, make you Lord of my life. I pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said.